Hello, welcome back to another episode of the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joel Linton correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello, everyone. And to his immediate right, on the TV screen at least, and he's got some like... TV this week? TV, oh, I'm actually wow. on a TV screen. Um, He's uh, got like three like black bars kind of across it, in a way, on my one. Is it there on yours too, Mike? Three okay. black bars? Oh, yeah, okay. so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little worried. Though. I was, it's the most marauder, Mr. David Harris. I thought I, you I were. That's what joke you're making now. It, it wasn't a joke. It was genuine concern for you. Um, we don't start every podcast with genuine jokes, just most of them. But I tell you what, we talk about some joke refereeing later on, Mike. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Should we start with a? Should we start with a signing that? I'm still convinced it's a bit of a joke, personally. <laughs> I can't quite believe it's happened. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo back to Manchester United has actually happened. Um, I feel like it could have happened about seven or eight times before every time he wanted a new contract at Madrid. So part of me is still not convinced it has actually happened. But Mike, how are you feeling? Yeah, buzzing, mate, to be fair. Been, been buzzing all weekend, to be honest, since uh, since the news broke that he wasn't going to City. I was quite buzzing, in fairness. And then it turned out that United were going to get him, and that's just wild. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we can get into what sort of player he, he might be now, but I think hopefully that'll make everyone around him a bit better. There's definitely some work for Fred to do, so come on. <laughs> Fred. Poor Fred. <laughs> um, Fred. From a purely footballing perspective, um, Obviously, I think still a tremendously talented footballer, isn't he? Because he's, what, 30 goals a season he's had the last couple of years, even for Juve. But I, I was reading I was reading the, an article about his time at United earlier today. And Where's the, the article, Will? It is on The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was one of their Premier League 60. I, I started reading uh, Claude McAuley's and went down a rabbit hole. Uh, don't ask me why I was reading Claude McAuley's articles on a, a bank holiday, but I was. Um, anyway, and it was talking all about how you know he's what the kind of player he was in his first spell and thinking about the kind of player he is now. And I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not concerned because he's he's. Just, by all accounts, he's the second best player of all time, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, you can say what you want about Maradona, but I'm not having Pele. He scored all his goals against his kid in his back garden and he camps them. Um, but say what you want to say, like he's going to be good for United. But in terms of the money and the wages in the squad and the actual fit on the pitch, Mike, how do you see it working? Uh, well, I think he's just going to play up top, which is a bit of a shame for Cavani and probably a bigger shame for Greenwood, really. Yeah, he's obviously started the season really well, and it looked like it, with him and Cavani, he'd probably get a pretty good run of games between all the competitions that hopefully we'll go fairly deep into. Uh, yeah, obviously he's going to be good. He's going to score goals, and he's going to play in all the big games whenever he's fit. Um, yeah, I mean the main the main thing for me is just the Greenwood thing. Does it stunt his growth? But then we forget that he's just 19 still, so there's plenty of time. He can bide his time, learn a bit off Ronaldo, hopefully. And yeah, be even better by the time he leaves in a couple of years. Hmm. So I've seen like there's conflicting reports on the actual fee. It's supposed to be around what 30 million ish because that's what it would have taken for Juve to clear a loss. And from the wages point of view, they're talking about half a mil a week, which it's not your money, but you know what I mean. Dave, it does feel like a lot of an outlay for a, a squad that's already as top heavy as United are. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? They need a holding midfielder, but you get the opportunity to sign a player like Ronaldo anyway, especially the history he has with the club. I just don't think, especially when your big right, biggest rivals have been linked with him as well, I think you just have to get in there and secure him, just in case. It's a great, it's a great PR move from the Americans. And I think he will be, I think he'll still be good. Uh, and like Mike says, I think with Greenwood, I think he's still young enough where maybe he's got more time to learn rather than just play without it really stunting his growth. 
Hmm. But it's a shame, though. He's been on great form, so can you really drop him? Yeah. Can I, can no, I ask a question? Where did you have United finishing before we signed Ronaldo? Third? Fourth? Wherever got... Some, somewhere around there, yeah, yeah. Sure. The better question Wait, is, has it changed? It? Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to know. Is it, is, does that change at all for you, either of you? Because it doesn't for me. No, no. not I at all. Two players that keep playing in your Oh, no, it does. It does. I think you're better than Liverpool now. Yeah, we're probably better than Liverpool, so we, maybe we come third now. I, I see all this talk about us going for the title, and I'm just like, you are joking, mate. If you've watched Fred for 10 minutes, you... Yeah. And Matic still exists. McTominay's still injured. So this is what we're... You're actually playing Fred and Matic. So that's 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 the, one of the questions I wanted to get to is we've been saying for ages, and it's not just us. Any Everyone's been saying that United are in desperate need of a defensive midfielder or more someone who doesn't cack their pants when they're pressed, basically. Um, and... You're getting to the end of the window, and although they've they've added some real quality in Sancho and Varane, I don't think there's any dispute in there. And obviously they're adding real quality in Ronaldo. It just feels like they aren't they're not fixing they're not fixing what they need to fix, and they're just they're sort of it's kind of reminding me a bit of like when they went and bought Alexis Sanchez because Mourinho didn't want Pep to have him. It kind of feels a bit like that. Yeah. I, I don't understand why we're not in for like Samare. Is that his name that Leicester bought for for twenty odd mil? Just go, just go and get someone like that. You don't even have to spend a fortune necessarily. If you go, if you're going to spend thirty mil on Ronaldo, I don't know. Uh, has anyone yeah, I, seen Dan James? Yeah, he's going back to Leeds for thirty million. I didn't know that part. Oh look, it's a masterclass. That is. Oh wow. Maybe this is the money we need to get uh, to get a defensive mid in. Here we go. That would actually be really interesting because Dan James is probably the only attacking option they have in in their team who you would probably turn around and the fullback would actually thank him for tracking back. I mean, it, no, genuinely, like that. You watch Dan James and like, and I know no one particularly likes Dan James, but at least in the big games, he sort of. Had, he does a job for the team. Well, no, it's funny, it is funny that he's going because he's actually. Hasn't he started two out of the three league games this year? Yeah. Maybe even all three. Yeah. It's a bit. It's, it's a bit of a. When I saw it, I was like, "Oh right, okay." That's a bit it's weird. Um, that's good for him. Hopefully, he'll play again at Leeds. Here's what I've been there before. What you what you want there for if if you're um Edward was you probably walked into that room and you said Calvin Phillips. Let's talk about thirty million plus Dan James. <laughs> Maybe that'll do some business. That's what he should have done. That's what he should have done. Get Phillips, please. Yeah. Or Rice. Some... Send Lingard to West Ham and get Rice, for God's sake. Something like that. Um This is obviously a mass like let's get it out of the way. Varan and Sancho, two massive, massive names. They're adding them to a squad already increases the pressure on Oli. Adding Cristiano Ronaldo, who is a born winner and is probably the best player to ever put on a United shirt. I think that's fair enough because Messi's never worn one. Um, how do you think Oli's feeling pressure-wise? Because he'll be talking down the title, but from a United perspective now, is anything other than a title and a failure? He's got to be a lot closer than he was last year, basically. I think was it, it was something like 12 points in the end, I think. <laughs> Essentially, you've got to be, you've got to at least half that gap to City or Chelsea, I think. There's, there's likely to be three or four teams in this race, which should make it quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he needs a trophy and he probably needs to challenge for the Premier League, I would I would think he needs a trophy. The, the Europa League would have done a lot for him last season. Obviously, they they bottled that final. So <clears throat> that does put a lot of pressure on because he, he keeps kind of failing at the semi-final or now the, the final stage. You've got to, at some point, as United manager, you need to get over the line. 
Although they did just sign him to a, a new contract this summer, which was fucking genius, wasn't it? I, I, I don't understand the whole new contract thing, because it's not like anyone's going to come along and poach Jolly. From Literally here. no one is going to poach him. I'm not. Yeah, it's a weird one for me. Dave, what do you think? Because uh, you weren't you weren't on the podcast when we did our one to twenty prediction, and we kind of talked a bit about squads, and we talked about um, how City and Chelsea had these squads that were better. And I'm going to be honest at this point, I'm not really sure that's a hundred percent true. I would certainly say United are probably squad wise now on that level of those those two. Um, do you think, and we've got realistic expectations of those two winning a title? Do you think we need to have realist? Do you think we need to really have an expectation that they win a title, they compete for a title? United. Uh, yeah, I think they sh- they should be coming a lot closer this year. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see how Solskjaer handles it. To be honest, because obviously in the Man United job you have pressure anyway, but having signed those three players. Crash is just, what, tenfolded, probably. He's got to win a trophy, and they've got to, they've got to really compete for the league this year. Like, who cares if you come second if you're, like, 20 points behind or whatever it was? They need That's to be... what annoyed me about last season. You're second, but you're nowhere near, really. Yeah, like, they need to be right up there. Um, It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do think, obviously, United have weaknesses in midfield, but their overall squad is far stronger than it. Probably the strongest squad they've had for years, to be honest. I think maybe, maybe the strongest squad since Ferguson left, to I be think, honest. I don't think that's up for debate. I think it's probably, on paper, a stronger squad than the one that Ferguson won his last title with. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It is a bit of a different league though it is yeah so I do think United are possibly the most interesting team because you've got you've got I mean watching the Wolves game oh my god uh, and and this is the second week in a row where I've watched them and I'm like I'm like oh my god they're bad <laughs> like <laughs> not good like I, I think in the Wolves game, there's a there's a part in the second half where I'm watching them and I'm like, they've got no midfield. They've got no midfield at all. And every, I, I, feel, I hate to do this again, but I always feel so sorry for Paul Pogba whenever someone says to him, go and do go and play in midfield there in a way that you're not suited to and yeah. wasn't the player we bought. And but go and do it anyway. And every time one of them tries it, I'm always like, it's just it's just silly. And everyone seems to think he can do it, but he can't. Just, and it's not fair to him because unless you give him a proper partner, and Fred's not Fred's a good player, he's not a proper partner though for Paul Pogba. He's never going to be a success. And I, f- I feel like we'll be here ne- we'll be here in second half of the season having this conversation when we say what's go- what needs to change at United. Uh, well, the other thing that needs to change if you're really going to challenge is the manager. But there you go. I just you yeah. compare him to the other three of the top probable top four: Klopp, Tuchel, and. Guardiola, he's just not even close, is he? Particularly because when we talk about the Liverpool-Chelsea game, because I do think you look at you look at that, you look at Chelsea, and you look at how unbelievably well coached they are, uh, and and you look at City and how unbelievably well coached they are. You and then you watch United or something, it does feel like there's quite a disparity. That that's that and the midfield are the two reasons why I don't think we can really challenge for the title properly. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Um, elephant in the room. Uh, about Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, what What have you made, Dave? What did you make of the coverage of Ronaldo in this country? Wow. Well, it was sort of like a hero's return when, obviously, since his last. Being in the UK, there's been some very serious allegations and some things that, yeah, frankly, make it look like he may have done some of the things he's accused of, uh, obviously in terms of like, sexual assault and rape. That wasn't even mentioned at all. Like, literally not mentioned. It's just like this this unbelievable player who's like a hero is going to come back to the pram, going to liven it up. Almost like a, I would go as far as to say like a 
a legend return, really. Everyone's supposed to be excited about it. Yeah, it was it was all over the news, wasn't it? Like literally, it was national coverage, like top yeah. top story, pretty much. It's interesting. Have mentioned at all. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, there's pretty stringent libel laws in this country, which means you have to be very careful when you say anything. But the red, the whole, the fact that the allegations are hanging over him and they weren't mentioned at all was interesting particularly given the context of some of the other awful stuff that's been happening this week um with the other player in across manchester who's been charged um doesn't reflect well on football does it no not really at the moment i guess i guess you're always if you you're always going to get some people unfortunately that are like this it's particularly in a field as high profile as football at some point one or two people are going to it's going to come out and obviously you've got a certain Everton player who yeah suppose, supposedly something might have happened he's accused of stuff there but so yeah not not a great couple of weeks really on that front no no uh, but I agree by the way I think it should have been mentioned but you're right it's very difficult to bring up and get it the wording right when it is still there's plenty of United fans and probably Premier League fans who really don't care, except that they're just like, well, this, yeah. this amazing footballer's coming back. But in reality, it's an important thing that he's accused of that we should just remember, I think, has not been proved, but is a thing that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly different, but with the Man City player... Do you not find it weird that they said absolutely nothing until they had to? I I have a slight look. Maybe maybe obviously they didn't want to take any action until they knew that obviously this is looking like it's going to a trial. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously accusations are entirely different uh, to being charged. Charged and reprimanded. Which is why his name's out there. I th- I think my problem. I do have a problem with the Man City thing, as I think everyone should, because I think in any other in any other environment, if you had someone who was not only accused but charged with that incident, they they would be suspended until the results of the investigation. So it is it is interesting that you allow someone to who's obviously had a lot of who's been accused more than once to carry on not even more than once just he's been accused to allow them to carry on playing for your club particularly in high profile profile matches and things like that that feels like an odd an odd decision to me but yeah. i don't know i don't know i, yeah. I just i would presume that they would have known about these actions for a for a good number of months so yeah. apparently they knew last october very surprising that one they were playing him and secondly, that they didn't suspend him before mm-hmm. reading. Mm-hmm. Not not fun to talk about, yeah. but one of those things that if you have, you just sometimes you just have to mention it because mm-hmm. otherwise no one talks about this kind of stuff, and that's when things get really bad, isn't it? Well, they're already really bad, but you know. <laughs> um, uh, excited to see Cristiano Ronaldo, the player, back in the league. I think mm-hmm. I can say, um, even yeah. if I'm I'm not particularly overjoyed by the hero worship, um, I would love nothing more for them for him to fail and for United to fail. One <laughs> because it'd be Ronaldo failing, and two because it would be great content on this pod. That's all I'm about, really. You know, you know how you used <laughs> I don't to. Sit- need this. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of the pod, Pod Ross, the other day, and I said to and I said and he said to me he watches football now in the same way that I'm watching football which is one I'm watching football based on fantasy prem thinking who am I getting my points here the second one is oh that's good content <laughs> <laughs> so they are um talking about pod Ross we should probably talk about his team shouldn't we because they got absolutely tonked oh, here's some Man content City, Ross by, by Man City in a early oh. kickoff um Gundogan Ferran Torres, Jesus, Rodri. Rodri with a belter. Oof. Obviously, trying to live up to the J5 comparisons. Um, really bad. 
they were made on last year's team of the season podcast, Mike. They were. Yeah, I was wondering um, where they were made. Yeah. yeah. Um, couple of things in this one. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk City and their their new false nine, who might actually be a nine? You want to go there first? Yeah, let's do City first. All right. Someone talk to me about Ferran Torres. I mean, every time he, I watch him, he seems to get better. Every single time. I, I don't know how he can keep this up, but <laughs> he's yeah. just really good. Yeah. Last year, I was watching him like play for Spain. He scored that hat-trick against Germany, maybe. Someone. Yeah, Germany. Uh, and you and you sat there thinking, this guy can't even get into the City team. And he's, he's just gone away and scored th- put three past Germany. Mm. And then... I guess Pep's done that thing where he gives him kind of a year to settle in and this is going to be his big, probably breakout year. And yeah, maybe they didn't need Kane after all. <laughs> I'm fascinated by Ferran Torres. I'm absolutely... F- I, like, I remember sitting on the podcast talking about it last year going, is he a winger or is he a, is yeah. he, is he a striker? But what I like that he does, his movement is unbelievable. Like he he has this he has this one where he's always trying to dart in between the two centre halves and then and then when you you notice that when even when it's someone as bad at crossing as Carl Walker on the right he's just the it's those little movements between posts you know the the ones that the ones that defenders really hate when you come in across them with it from the blind side he's just he's just a really clever footballer but what I think from the game and I know the game was really gone by then. The Rodri goal, the way he gets in behind and has, and then has the awareness to cut it back for Rodri, that's what I think is going to keep him playing longer term in Pep's team, just because that's what Pep wants from a striker. Yeah, that was so good, that little piece of play. And then obviously the finish from Rodri as well was, was glorious. But yeah, he's a bit of a player. He is, yeah. No, he's good. Um, But Dave... Uh, <laughs> Game, I'm about to I'm about to insult Arsenal, so I'm really sorry. You won't really about judge. To do that for Ten minutes. You won't really judge Ferran Torres on games where he's playing against teams as tactically and defensively inept as Arsenal, are you? Like, I mean, these these aren't the games where he's going to struggle. Where he's given bags of space, he's given the freedom of the Etihad to do whatever he wants. Have you seen the clip of Arsenal taking about two minutes to press Edison? Yes, yeah. yes, I have. Yeah, we'll talk about their pressing in a bit. Um, but I know that obviously City tried to get the deal over the line for Ronaldo. Um, but it seems weird that did to me. It always felt like a bit of an odd fit, didn't it? I also don't know if I don't know if that deal was ever as close as the press made it out to be. I depends I, who you listen to, but yeah, it never made sense at all to me. Um, no, not Man City not a single bit. Long-term striker. You could argue Man United potentially have that in Greenwood already. Mm-hmm. Man City are crying out for a striker that can score goals now, but not someone obviously with Ronaldo's age, fantastic player. Even United only gave him a two-year deal. And realistically, he's going to start to dip in those two years, obviously with his age. If he doesn't, you never know it is Ronaldo. But City needs someone like, for example, Harry Kane with his age, perfect. He's a player that's probably going to be at the top still for five or six years. I do think that Ronaldo's probably got better knees than Harry Kane, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's like City, there's no point City signing an old player to play up top, even if it is Cristiano Ronaldo, because it's not really fixing their problem. It's just a stopgap. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to me because he, he just stands there and scores goals now, whereas that's not even close to the way that City needs. Yeah, yeah imagine yeah. trying to press in that City team. Yeah. Well, it is interesting because it, it's it's almost like and the entire <laughs> the entire sorry I'm just laughing at the idea of Pep telling Ronaldo to press. Um, <laughs> the, you look at the target. Turning around, shouting, but he won't. <laughs> The uh, the idea of Harry Kane is almost that in in the last year he became a nine and a half, didn't he? And I know, I know everyone hates phrases like nine and a half, but he he just did. He drops into midfield and worked with the space in the in the in the pocket, and he was really good. So that when I, when you say that you're becoming increasingly reliant on the static number nine, that's a bit more confusing to me. 
Agreed. Um, do we want to go to Arsenal? Well, have you just discovered something about Arsenal? Yeah. I've just found out that Ainsley Maitland-Niles has put on his... Oh, yeah. yeah. His Instagram yeah. story. Yeah. All I want to do is go where I'm wanted and where I'm going to play. And he tagged Arsenal in it. <laughs> he did, yeah. It's, that is incredible. Can we also appreciate that their dressing room is clearly so dysfunctional? Oh, here we go. We're going to do it. Is, no, instead of a player going in to speak to the manager, he's somehow playing on his Instagram story. Is that really where they're at, Arsenal? They can't even speak to each other anymore. It's I'm just at them on social media. It's better than it's better than it being in the all or nothing Arsenal documentary. Hey, it could be that. They might they might have a go at him. Imagine. That'd be class. Um yeah, I literally just found that out, so, so sorry for anyone who... Uh, it's OK. Uh, yeah, should we, should we do the Arsenal side of this game and, and yeah. more? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. Um, I don't really know where to start with Arsenal, given that <laughs> I think on the day they were as bad as any team could be. Um, so should we do personnel and then try and talk, try and find something positive to say about the way they're set up, coached and run as a football club? <laughs> Stadium's not bad. I just hey? can't believe we're here again already this season <laughs> having to do this. That's the only positive I can find. Um, so three games in Arsenal. Couldn't you have at least waited a bit longer? So let's run through the goals they conceded. Um, oh god. First one, shambolic marking. Second it's one, horrendous. The the second one where it, the way it bounces through is just is an abomination. <laughs> The third one is is similarly bad. You can do nothing about Rodri strike, and it's just uh, it was just embarrassing. It really was. It really was. I mean, you look at we'll get onto the Chelsea Liverpool game after, but they had a red card. Chelsea obviously. Yes, they and did. They, and the way that they played with ten men versus the way that Arsenal played with ten men, if you compare the two, it's. It was pathetic. I mean, we can talk about Xhaka being stupid, and he he bloody well was, but they've got to show a bit more after that red card. It, it, so there's two things. It's interesting you bring up Chelsea, because two problems in the Chelsea game are here again, is that I cannot believe that Arteta looked at the way his team were out-battled in midfield last weekend against, against Kovacic and Jorginho, just the two of them. And then they thought, all right, I'll go with, I'll go with less midfield basically against and then, a team yeah, of seven midfield. And then Jack gets sent off, and he just doesn't do anything with a gaping hole, or even further of a gaping hole in midfield. It's, it's, it's so, it's so hard to put it just because you don't want to put it all on the manager, but. Well, no, I don't. But I, I'm like, what? It seems like a basic. You take off an attacker and you put someone there. Yeah, I agree. I, they are. So it's I was when I was watching them last weekend too, when they were playing Chelsea and they had this narrow press that didn't work, and the players weren't doing what they should be doing, and it basically ended up with them being carved open for 45 minutes on one side until Chelsea took their feet off the gas, and that was the difference. Yes, the, the difference with the City game was that they they knew they had them beat tactically. They were just playing through them with ease. And then they just thought to themselves, right, we won't take our foot off the gas. We'll just keep going for you and we'll keep pummeling you. And it's just it's just crazy that he doesn't fix things in the game. Like, I'm harping back to Chelsea again last weekend. But you watch the amount of balls in the opening 16 minutes that they get through to the feet of Romelu Lukaku. Just one after the other, one after the other. There's no screening from the midfield. It's embarrassing, to be honest. And it was, he, he just doesn't know. I mean, obviously he knows more about football than we'll ever know. But if I, I said that, I think we said this about Ollie and Frank like last year. If I'm sat here and I'm telling you how unique, how you could fix that, and you're not fixing it, what's going on there? Because I'm an idiot. Even if he somehow doesn't know, surely someone around him saying, yeah. By the way, Mikel, we've the guy just got sent off there in central midfield. We probably should bring someone on to re- to to replace him there. It's it is so bad, so bad. Uh, and the red card. I mean, this is 
Granit Xhaka had a good Euros. We're quite positive about him coming back uh, to play for Arsenal this season. And yeah, the loose cannon's out again. He clearly didn't fancy playing at the Etihad for another 60 minutes. So I'll just, I'll just have an early bath. It's embarrassing. Mm. Absolutely embarrassing, that tackle. He, he, really, he really should go. If, if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm sick of this. Is that's what's what is for Fred Card, is it? I just think Jack is Jack is interesting in that they were begging him to stay. Like and I know it's because it's got so bad at Arsenal that they're lacking options, but this is a guy a few years ago you were looking around going, Is he actually good enough to play for Arsenal Football Club? There's another point to Xhaka that I think would be infuriating. You've got young players coming through like Smith Rowe and Saka. Xhaka's an experienced player, he's got Say what you like about a guy. He's got a lot of caps for his country. He's an all-round experienced player. He's supposed to be leading by example out there. And this he's, guy just keeps letting everyone down. His country is Switzerland. Yeah, but still. If you could travel all your you play for your country. <laughs> but Smith, Rowe and Saka are, are young. In that midfield, Odegaard, let's be honest, great talent. But he's not. he's not played all that many games in the grand scheme. Jack is the most experienced player in that midfield and he just time and time again finds ways to let down frankly the entire football club he's letting down the players he's letting down the management he's letting down the fans he's just embarrassing really embarrassing it is worth pointing out that they were they were missing their two best center halves in Ben White and Gabriel they were missing well, um, uh, I might <laughs> They're missing Thomas Partey, who's a, who is a really good central midfielder. So Arsenal were missing some big, big players, and it isn't. And you sort of get this without De Bruyne and Foden. True, true. But City are also way more ahead of City. Have spent way more money and are way longer ahead in their development than they are. But it is interesting that Pep. Arteta grew up in the school of Pep with these methods that work with the that only work with the absolute yeah, cream of these players. By Pep. And then he just he's gone to Arsenal. He's like, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do exactly the same system here. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna try to do similar things here with similar players. I'm gonna try and have the same levels of discipline with similar players. And it just doesn't work because they're different. They're different, and the fact that he's not flexible enough as a manager to sort of say, well, that's not working. Let's try something different. Let's, that's not working. Let's try something different. Is that, it's quite, it's quite worrying. It's, it, it's been, I mean, it's been happening for, yeah, for a while. And you'd think you'd have maybe at least tried something else. It's certainly not going to work when you're playing Kolasinac, Chambers and Holden at the heart of your defence. And Cedric Suarez is one of the worst footballers <laughs> I think I've ever seen. <laughs> It's <laughs> the game or something else in this game. Really weird because last year he had a couple of good games at left back and we were praising that guy, but I don't know what he was doing on Saturday. Good Lord. He made no tackles, he won no aerial duels, he had no successful dribbles. Honestly, just a historically bad performance. He's terrible. <laughs> Good. Glad we're not sitting on the fence with how good Cedric Suarez is. What is he doing out on the pitch there? Just anyone else. You've got to have a youth team that's better. Yeah, I mean, you know, performances like that, it makes you realise Mike and Niles might have to go to Instagram. How can he not get a game? Yeah, if he can't start over that guy. How can he not... How can he not play right back? Like, how can Mate? And I know people are people are in there going, Maitland-Niles doesn't want to play right back, but he's actually come out and said that he does want to play right back. And if you've got him there, how can he not play play him? You look at you look at Cedric and you just think, if yeah, if I'm Maitland-Niles, I'd be doing exactly what he's just done. You've got to find a way out of this place. He's an, absolute, he's an absolute fraud, that guy, right back. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you now, Instagram, not the way to do that. <laughs> uh, it is weird, though. You've got, like, um, it is weird when you, you really think you, you've got... Arteta constantly talks about a long-term plan. Long-term plan, long-term plan, long-term plan, long-term plan. And they constantly get it wrong by making short-term bets. <laughs> long-term like, plans. We'll play Cedric at right back. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll, we'll sign Willian. 
He he's part of your look. Is he? Oh, okay. but yeah, we'll sell Joe Willock as well while we're at yeah, it. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. It's they're a baffling. They're a poorly run football club. You know, next year they're gonna have to buy a box box midfielder because they sold Joe Willock. Yeah. You know, like the same thing they did when they sold Emmy Martinez and then needed to buy Aaron Ramsdale the next year. And so what are we doing here? I'm sick of them. They're, they're in the same category as Spurs now with me. I'm just done. And Spurs are actually apparently quite good. Uh, what, I will cl- what I will clarify about Spurs is uh, unsustainable 1-0 wins with the Portuguese <laughs> manager. We've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so That I'll, makes you feel better. You, you wait till December. Um, from your perspective, should Arteta go? Why, I, I personally think so. Um, clearly, I don't know about you guys when you watch this Arsenal team. He's been there pretty much two years. Still have no idea what his team's trying to do with the ball. I still don't know the identity of the team. And yeah, obviously we slagged off of the managers for that, like Solskjaer. But at least with Solskjaer, you can say... Man United are sort of competing. Arsenal are finding themselves in... They're, after what, like 10 games last season, almost in the relegation. Three games in, they're literally bottom of the league. Wonderful. Rock bottom. I shall pretend it's not wonderful. I think it's manager that's more experienced. Like, at the end of the day, Arteta hadn't managed before, and I think it's really... Show. If they had a more experienced manager, I'm sure they'd get more out of this team than than Arteta is. And he also he does this weird thing where if a player doesn't fit into his team, he just drives them out of the club. Like Saliba, Guendouzi, who, to be honest, that's. But with this team so bad, I'm not even sure Guendouzi wouldn't. I'm thinking he'd probably get into this team. You you think about ex ex players who have their first jobs in management. So like you're thinking about even Lampard at Chelsea. He did that oh, as well. It's a no. I mean, I know he had the derby spell, but you think about his spell at Chelsea as well. He did that with certain players like Rudiger. He just decided he didn't want him anymore, and yeah. he just even once he'd made that decision, he was that's what he was going to go with. And it's ultimately it's maybe not the most sensible decision, but it's what young managers tend to do. But what I would say um, with, with Arteta is it just it feels like there's a breaking point coming and it's probably not fair to judge him on games against Chelsea and City who as we've spent this podcast saying are probably going to be very good this year and it's probably fairer to judge him on the next run of games but and against Brentford to be honest but judge him on that game I think for me it's the lack of it's the lack of progress when you watch them on the field and the, the basic mistakes they keep making that's yeah. why I'm about him my thing my thing with them is they have like a 10 game spell for example which like for example last year they they weren't that bad at the end of the season uh, in the second half of the season they 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 ended last season quite positively let, let's be honest and then they come back into this season i know that they didn't make europe but they they did pretty well in the end like last 23 games they they were third Games of a third, something like that. Third. And so you're thinking, okay, they've finally turned a corner and they're going to carry that into this season. Here we are talking about them being 20th in the league. And yes, I understand that Man City and Chelsea are a tough ask anyway. But at least if they'd maybe played well and lost, it would be different. These guys are just spineless. Absolutely spineless. I just don't know. It's just such a weird team to watch. It's like no one cares. No one in the dugout cares. None of the players really care. And they're crap. And they're only going backwards, but no one cares. It's so bizarre. For a team like Arsenal as well, like you can knock them as much as you want. They've been very successful even in the last like 10, 15 years. And now they're absolutely nowhere near it. Yeah. We'll see how they get on when they've got a nice run of fixtures and they've got their players back. Probably pretty good then. 
Oh, I look forward to somehow they're not good, Will. <laughs> Probably be pretty good then. Um, they're losing to Norwich next time, Will. Oh, of course they are. It's... Billy Gilmore masterclass. You heard it here first. Nineteenth v twentieth, everybody. So it's a big relegation point to early doors. Imagine Brandon Williams scores. That that's got to be Arteta goal. Is that where he is? He yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Like Daniel Fark was like, we're easing him, we're not expecting too much from him. I'm like, it's a year long loan, Daniel. You've got to get him in quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Liverpool-Chelsea, which uh, I'm biased, but I thought for, for the first half at least was probably the, the best 45 minutes of football all season. It was a proper game. I only Pro- watched the best 45, but I really enjoyed it, yeah proper game between two proper sides and it's my bias talking but one of them and this would be the Chelsea looked a real force and the other one looked like a fading rock band on stage playing their greatest hits but not getting the same reaction from the crowd Chelsea were definitely the better team until the red card and that obviously changes the game doesn't it <laughs> so let's talk about um Let's talk about the the first half, really, to start with. Um, Chelsea, so much of this was built around the idea of Lukaku versus Van Dijk. Lukaku versus Matip. Lukaku, because people love to build football up as a boxing match. But in reality, the, the big success for Chelsea in that first half were the two number 10s. What did you make of their performance? I know a bit if touch and go, but I thought I thought 19 and 29 were yet again pretty good. Yeah, very, very tasty those two. It's gonna be, <clears throat> it's gonna be a fun season for old Lukaku because he's gonna get, he's gonna get some chances on served up on his plate this season. Uh, yeah, Havertz looked really good, very lively. Um, probably made a couple of the wrong choices mm-hmm. when it came to the final ball, which potentially cost Chelsea a second goal uh, on one or two occasions. However, obviously his header was brilliant. I mean, a brilliant header. Absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Um, Mount, just being Mount, basically. He's just class, isn't he? You see that turn? You can't do that to people. <laughs> I, I let out a yelp, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he um, is an outrageous footballer. He's really good, isn't he? Um, I, I think Pac Danfield against a proper rival um, is probably joking apart about Liverpool it's probably one of the most difficult places to go in the league so to to boss the first half in a way that they did boss the first half and I know the XG doesn't agree with me but if you watch the game well that's what that's how I felt coming away from the first yeah half. you watch if you watch the game and the way it all was so the way that a few more like once the chemistry's there with Lukaku and those other two, they're going to rip oh, teams to shreds on the transition. Yeah. They're going to kill people. I can't wait I... for Chelsea to play Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the score. Oh, they won't even have Billy Gilmore as well. <laughs> um, 23rd of October, everybody. But 23rd of October. Who it's a lunchtime game as well, 12.30. <laughs> oh, that'd be box office, won't it? Um, but Dave, mm. I've we talked a lot about Liverpool being good, particularly in terms of a starting eleven, because we thought they'd have had some time off, they'll have come back, and then we talked about perhaps Van Dyke's looking a bit shaky, Mane looks a bit washed. How how are you feeling about Liverpool? Yeah, I feel like as as this current like crop of players, they've maybe already hit their peak and they're no longer so at their peak. I don't know with Mane if he just had a bad season last year, but he really wasn't the same sort of player that he'd been the whole time he's at Liverpool. Obviously, I think Salah's still fantastic. Uh, Firmino, obviously, last couple of seasons just hasn't been at that same level that he was in the season they were. Well, I, he was good when they won the league, but I thought of a season where they uh, won the Champions League was actually maybe his best season in the recent years. I think Henderson as well. I think he's a good player, just not not sure he's as good as he 
once was, especially after the couple of injuries he's had as well. Missed a lot of games. It's just a weird one, isn't it? And I think more with Liverpool, it's not even the fact that the players aren't quite at their top, top level. It's more you look at the rest of the squad and, yeah, re- who's replacing them, really? You've got Jota up front, uh, or any of the front three, who, to be fair, seems good and a good fit for them. But most great. of those other positions, yeah, it's it's strange. It's, I think we I think, said, didn't we, last year that this it was going to come to this point that some we did. Thing, yeah, yeah. One thing we were actually correct about. I mean, <laughs> look at us, Nostradamus over there. <laughs> I do um, like the look of uh, Harvey Elliott, by the way. I think yeah, Harvey Elliott's really good. He looks He's fantastic. Interesting. He, look, he looks really at home as well at, at his age out there. That Anfield against Chelsea, I, f- I thought he looked pretty. He looked, he looked good. Yeah. Um, it was interesting that he was picked over Naby Keita and Thiago. Very interesting. Um, I thought I thought the fact that Klopp turned to his bench and changed Robertson for Shimikas sort of told you everything you needed to know about how he was feeling about the lack of depth out there. Um, it is worrying for for Liverpool, particularly. Like obviously they they are really good and I don't think there's a side in the country better at putting you under sustained pressure for like 10 to 15 minutes than Liverpool are but the way that the way that they just they don't have as much as these other teams like you got the sense that if it was 1-1 with 11 v 11 in the second half you'd have seen Timo Werner you'd have seen Hakim Ziyech maybe you'd have seen players who have got real quality coming off the bench and it's the same in the City game like you watch them <laughs> Pep is a sick man by the way he was like up for nearly that PFA player of the year Rian Mahrez come on come on down what a sick individual he, he did that to his friend too unbelievable but you know what I mean like they don't have the depth that the other ta- the other challengers have and that's going to be something that th- their first 11 has to be perfect Const- yeah I mean look at Look at Minamino, for example. He went on loan to Southampton last year. Had a couple of OK games, but seemed to f- not really break into their starting eleven. And now he's back on on Liverpool's bench because they literally don't have anyone else. Yeah, right, isn't he? Let's be honest. Hey, it's really bad. I think. <laughs> yeah, he's not great. But um, red card. Um, Reece James obviously. Um. I think a lot of Chelsea there were a lot of Chelsea accounts on Twitter who were shocked that it was a red card and I think I said it to you Mike that I was surprised because it was like Reese James had decided he was LeBron James because he yeah. was trying to dunk the ball he was just trying to get it he pulls it like that and tries uh, to slap it yeah, away I'm not really sure what <laughs> as it stands that's a that's a penalty in a red card it's just yeah, yeah. he's saving yeah. a certain goal and trading it for 75% chance of a goal and then 10 men I, I think for me it was the fact that he when he when his arm kind of moves I was like I was like am I sure it's intentional no but the fact he's there and it's he's done it means he has to go which isn't which is a shame because it ruined what was a really good game up to that point yeah it's a shame for you as well because you may well have got three points out of that game too well we'd have absolutely shagged him so <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I don't really. I'm not really on board with all the. It shouldn't be a, a red card, or yeah. I think I think that just is a penalty in a red card. <laughs> yeah, I there's agree. no other way you can really do that. I don't think, unless you start giving out penalty goals, and he doesn't get sent off, but you just give the goal anyway, and you book him. I don't know. Yeah, well. It was an interesting refereeing performance because he got that one spot on and then he proceeded to get almost everything wrong. Fabinho could have had about seven. Wasn't this your boy, Anthony Taylor? Oh, Tic Tac Ed himself. Honestly, he was pissing me off. He He had to bring up the refereeing when it was Anthony Taylor, didn't he? No, no, he just just had a poor game, I thought. And, And... Joking apart, he got the red. I thought he got the red card thing spot on. How he sees it from a freeze frame and not actual moving pictures, I do not. Think <laughs> he got it right. He got it right. I did so find that quite bizarre. You <laughs> can't really complain at that point though, if when you know he's got it right. But I just thought there were. I thought he. I thought he mishandled Fabinho in particular. I thought Fabinho could have had about seven yellows. I thought he kept he kept fouling and it set the tone really. And then in the second half and. 
he let Chelsea, he let the Chelsea players get away with some stuff. He let him get away with sitting on the ball practically. He he let he was giving fouls to Marcus Alonso falling over. It, it it wasn't a good performance from I don't think from either side to be honest. But yeah, I I don't know how anyone comes out of that game feeling positive about Liverpool though. And yeah, I, know, I think that's the that's what's interesting. They're probably not as good as we thought. Apart from Jamie Carragher, he seems to think they're great, but. Yeah, I came out of that game feeling very good about Chelsea. I thought the second half performance, the way they were coached, the the way they are defensively when they need to be, is brilliant. They are they're so so well coached. Like I mean, Tuchel's decision, and I know Kante was injured, but Tuchel's decision to basically bring on Kovacic and say to him, "Look, you're just going to break the um, you're going to break the press and get out," is was brilliant. And we were a good finish away from actually probably winning it from him but anyway interesting um we do have a question from a listener but dave wants to talk about something first we've got some huge blues news yeah blues are signed troy Deeney. what a hero wow we might see him in nando's again <laughs> i was just about to bring that up <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it'd be class at championship level so good signing and he's a blues fan so good to see him at blues to be fair now that's a homecoming you can be proud of, isn't it, Dave? My God. Oh yeah, Troy Deeney. What was it? Stoke going Stoke could get messy with the gang. That tweet back in the day. <laughs> I can't wait to watch Dukovic and Deeney up front together. Oh no! I no, can't no wait defense to is going to enjoy that. Honestly, I can't some... wait to watch Deeney get sent off about eight minutes into his debut because someone hit barges into him. When you said Dini and Jukovic somewhere, um, Sam Allardyce poured himself another mug of wine. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, let's quickly talk about our one question we have in from the listeners. It's, it's a good one. A uh, friend of the pod, James, James Paul Yates, uh, asked us. Um, I actually want to get the actual, what he actually said, because it, it was a good one. And he asked us, Duh. Is it now the Premier League's turn to host the very top players? It seems to go cyclical and it has been La Liga for the last 10 or so years. So I was thinking about this. To me, it sort of seemed like in the 90s, you had Syria, which is it just exploded with popularity. You had lots of big players. Then you had Premier League with the influx of the money in the early noughties. With, um, and then you had the Galactico period too. Um, and then La Liga really held onto the power yeah. for right from about when they basically when they signed when when Madrid signed Ronaldo, and then you've got the height of MSN, and then back end of the twenties with you got Madrid fade, and now we see Premier League dominance, which is kind of reflected in the the Champions League, the recent winners, the recent finalists, for example. Um, that theory should continue, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it is a cyclical nature and it will just move away? Or do you think the fact that the Premier League is so financially dominant, do you think this is probably a sign of things to come? Yeah, this is actually a really good one, Yates. So well done. Class, <laughs> um, man. I would say there's a good chance that the Premier League will either be the front runner or be not far behind. The the main one I think that competes is, is La Liga. And the re- the reason I think that is is because when Barca and Madrid come calling, there's not many players in the world who it's not like their dream to go and play for Real Madrid, or but at least that's what they say anyway. Um, obviously, at the, as it stands at the moment, both those clubs are a bit broke. One of them's trying to sign Mbappe. So... <laughs> um, so at the moment, the Premier League obviously has... It's bringing back Ronaldo. We have some fantastic players. Um, PSG have stockpiled three of of the top uh, yeah. top names in the world, which is interesting. But obviously, the that would be more one club rather than yeah the league. Um, and the money is just getting more and more in the Premier League, so it's going to be harder, I think, for Barcelona and Madrid going forward. But I think if anywhere, that will probably be where. Prem might yeah. lose a couple of players too. Yeah, because we we definitely saw it, didn't we? Particularly with like the Suarez deal and the Gareth Bale deal and the Ronaldo deal. We did there was a talent drain to there. Um, and you would say it with Mohamed Salah, for example, 
he's flirted his eyelashes at Madrid a few times. Um, but there is there is such a you look at what the Prem has done this transfer window. Like, you, do you think Chelsea went and got the best player in Serie A yeah. last year? United went and got the best one of the best wingers in the Bundesliga, and they took they took Rafa Varane off Madrid. They took a player. Nothing really. Yeah, they took a very good player off Madrid, and of course Madrid are letting him go so they can make the money for Mbappe. But it is it is a big thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic because I guess if you were going off what has happened in the past, it probably it may well come round again. But like you're saying, at the moment. Seems like the Prem is definitely the front runner, and that's all to do with money. And can we see that changing? No. Not really. No, and I, I think the difference between the leagues is, and um, you probably saw it with Serie A in the nineties, where they had lot, where you had Milan, Juventus, uh, Inter Milan, but you also had the likes of Roma, Lazio, and they all had little, they all had good players. Like I mean, what was it? Roma spending a money on loads of money on Batistuta, for example, who I've just butchered the name of, I apologise. Um, but then when you compare La Liga, really, you were looking at, on the most part, those two teams, with occasionally Atletico Madrid being a third. Um, whereas you look at the Premier League... There was Malaga briefly in the league. Yeah, but... With, for about if, four seasons. If, yeah, but if, they sound like Roque Sanzi. Yeah, if we're talking about... Well, like San Van Nistelrooy, Mike, let's have some respect. Yeah, he was done. He was done. Julio done. Um, but if we were if we're talking about players who... We're talking about clubs who can sign big players. I mean, let's be honest. We've got we've got United, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, for example. And then then you've got the, the sub-tier. You've got Spurs, for example. But you've even got Leicester who get... You can get some big players now. I think I think with the Prem, like in terms of finances, I think that's that's the difference. But even when you consider teams like Everton last season, for example, they took Allen from Napoli, who are a top Italy team, well one of the best, not not top, but and he was a player you know widely regarded as as being a good good player. They signed Hamas as well, and they're going to those two players went to teams in the a team in the Prem that, you know, they finish what, like eighth, ninth every season? It's not even some of the top teams in the league able to get those sort of players. I, I think it, yeah, I think it's pretty mad some of the signings that even, even teams a bit lower in the division managed to get. Because back in the day, newly promoted teams, for example, the only players they could sign would be like good championship players or players that were just totally unwanted by another team in the league, even the newly promoted teams are, are usually saying some sort of okay players now. Moussa Sissoko, World Cup winner, going to Watford. Not that, I, not that I like Moussa Sissoko massively, but there you are. He's a good signing for Watford. Um, how much of this is... So, we sort of saw the shift, the reason why so many... It's not just about who they looked up to when they were kids, but it's also about who's winning, who's who are the big teams who are really consistently winning. And I think what we've seen in certainly in the last last ten years, not ten years, like five years or so, a real talent drain on the managers' front, like managers wanting to go to the Premier League and test themselves against um, Pep, for example. We've got Pep and Klopp, who are probably the two best, two of the best managers in the world. We've got. Tommy Tactics now as well. Um, we've got so, and then you've got over g- other good managers like Ollie and Nuno. Sneak Ollie in there, <laughs> sneak Nuno in there because I can see it annoys Mike. But for example, and then you, but if you go look Benitez at the top, is back. <laughs> Benitez. But if you go look at who former Real Madrid manager, let's not forget. But if you um if you go and look at the top two in Spain, they're managed by Ronald Koeman, who I'm going to be kind and say he underwhelmed at Everton, and also by that Carlo. Is Carlo Ancelotti, who I'm going to be kind, underwhelmed at Everton. So, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that? Like, yeah. And then you go look at Italy, where you've got some, you've got some really exciting tactical things happening there. But none of the managers are particularly massive names now, other than maybe Allegri. Can we get the Atalanta Mourinho. manager in the Prem? Gasparini. That's really, yeah, let's bring him over. Yeah, yeah. Give him come on, Leeds. Brighton. Yeah, but look at like Leeds. They've got Marcelo Bielsa. Bielsa. Yeah, Bielsa in and the they championship. Had him in the, and they had him in the championship. Like, 
there's something about English football that people want to be involved in and it might it's really hard to predict the future and say that it'll be completely cyclical but part of me feels like if the Premier League has a couple of seasons where it's not the big thing it won't take long before it moves itself back in because it is just so bloody good at marketing yeah and I think the the manager point was a, a really good one to be honest yeah yeah Pep and Klopp obviously Tuchel comes in yeah I mean there's there's not a lot of talent left anyway. You got yeah. Poch at PSG and Nagelsmann maybe at Bayern. Is he at Bayern now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's the that's the interesting thing to me is will I suppose if if you've got if you've got Barcelona in financial decline and they're not going to be able to sign these big players, it, Real Madrid can only buy so many players. Real Madrid also aren't great money wise. They've had a lot of. Players on huge wages and stuff. Like, let's be honest, Gareth Bale is now in Ancelotti's plans, but for essentially what two seasons, if not three, they're playing some guy obscene amount for him to go and play golf and then go back to Tottenham for a season. They've got a tea time, the two of them. Um, <laughs> that's that's why he's in his plans. Um, but it is it is quite a, a cyclical thing, and I think what broke. The Prem's dominance in the mid 2000s was when they lost some of the managers like Mourinho, for example, when he left Chelsea and he went to Italy and then he went to Spain and then you had Pep, the rise of Pep in Spain, also and that's where that, it shifted again. Also, in that era, like the top players from the Prem were going to pretty much Barca or Real Madrid. <laughs> so even the top players were like, on. I felt when Henri went to Barca, far was a bit of a shift then, really. Like the best player, of, let's be honest, he's probably the best player in the league. Yeah, he's just gone to a bigger team. And Barca and Real Madrid were far bigger teams than, even though obviously United were huge. But it did always feel like Barca and the Real Madrid team, especially with the Galacticos and even after, they were like the top two clubs in the world, really. But I think that's shifted now. I, I've, I, you know, I've always said that the only, I've always said that the only club bigger than Man United is Real Madrid. Um, partly because I think that's partly because I'm motivated by severe hatred when it comes to Barcelona. But I do think, I, I do think there was a time when, when Ronaldo left United, Real Madrid were the only team who could have taken him. In my eyes, they were the only team that you leave and it's a step up from Man United. At that time, yeah, that I would say so. But United have never acted, other than since recently, to be honest, where they've started making Galactica signings. They've never acted like they're a club like Real Madrid with that clout. Um, but what I think you'll find is the fact that you've got City and... I think it's all to do with success on the European stage as to what league has the power. And that's the thing. Like in the, in When La Liga was at its height with the Messi, Neymar, Suarez and thing, that's when a lot of our teams are going through that rebuilding phase and they were just they were just trash. They were just getting beaten up every other week. And as soon as that changed, you sort of felt the shift again. Yeah, that's true. They, I mean, that, the La Liga won 7 out of 10 or something. Champions League did that or something stupid. Yeah. Maybe even better. Yeah. During that time, it was mad. They were yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. One of these days we'll come on this podcast and we'll we'll talk about how that Ronaldo Real Madrid was better than Pep's Barca. <laughs> oh, just to annoy you, Mike. Oh just God. to annoy you. Um, that was a good question, but I think that will probably do us for this week, won't it? Um, international break next week, lads. It is indeed. It is indeed. Mm. How are you feeling? Do you want us to find a topic? Come in, do an evergreen. Well, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about fucking England. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm only happy to talk about England if it's a tournament, not any of this qualifier nonsense. All right, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. You can see the love for Gareth Southgate's men, Blue Harbour boys, evaporated pretty quickly. Um, No, I'll I'll like them next next year uh, when they're at the World Cup. Oh my God, there's a World Cup next year. Oh, think of the hamstrings. Oh fuck. Oh, oh my god Harry Kane's already looking, running around like a geriatric <laughs> you see him come off the bench you look like the bloke from Up like, uh, what's going on there oh, um, so, 
absolutely die today. Sorry, that'll date this podcast. Well, to end on a sour note. Um, until next time, Dave, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. And Mike, if the people want to follow you to hear more about Joel Linton's magnificent assist at the weekend, where can they do that? What should have been a winning goal. Uh, but yeah, at Mikey Bessie on Twitter for that. And you can follow me at Wilhunt17, but please don't please just head follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials. If you've got a question, like Mr. James Yates, you've got two choices. You can do what Yates does and send them to Mike Brazzard direct, or <laughs> you can email us at inandaroundpod at gmail.com or just drop us a line on all the socials and someone will pick it up. You can always tell who's in charge of the In and Around Pod by the tweets that they're liking on that any day. If it's Jerry. Yeah, and it's never Dave. Yeah, it's never Dave, but if. No. if if you can, if it's just a, a raft of Chelsea tweets, it's me. If it's just a raft of sensible football tweets, it's Mike. No, I think I think well, your tweets are just more aggressive. <laughs> mine's, mine's more like commentary, like, and you're just like fucking firing off about someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, until next time, um, I want you all to go away. Think about football and think about how bad Danny Drinkwater's career's gone that he's just been loaned to Reading. You are? Danny Drinkwater's just been loaned to Reading. No way. And don't watch the Blue Harbour boys in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. That's all he's got. Did Drinkwater go to Reading thinking that the festival was all year? God. He's not even as fit in the championship, Well, That's how bad that just guy is. Just finished, Danny. He, he's so bad I, I guarantee he will not stand out in the championship anymore I, I honestly think he's totally finished my favourite tweet of the day is because I don't uh, Lookman's about to sign for Leicester my favourite thing today is tweet today was someone said Lookman is the first piece of sensible advice that signed for Leicester since Danny Drinkwater in whatever <laughs> <laughs> oh it was good right let's Till next time, watch Takeshi's Castle.